Hello, I'm Joseph Malazzi, creator of Dark Matter, and you are listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello, and welcome to the final Season 1 Legion Review Podcast. I'm your host, Craig McKenzie, and this discussion will take you through the Season 1 finale, Chapter 8 where a final push is made to get rid of the Shadow King from David's mind as the groundwork is laid for season 2. Here for the final outing is a full house again. We've got Aaron. Hello. And Chris. Hello. Welcome to the final Legion thing. We've made it through eight episodes. We're still relatively sane and we're ready to close this off. Until season 2. Until season 2. How is Chris feeling about us being at the end? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we've managed to do it. Actually, I, I didn't know if we'd managed to keep going with the podcast and everything, but yeah, quite happy, and I'm, I'm glad that we, 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 we stumbled upon a, a, a rather good TV show to do it on. Yeah, and uh, I think I'm the, the only one that's had a hundred percent attendance thus far. But you know, we're all, well, you get we're your all part of face this. sticker. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I get... Give yourself a round of applause for that on the yeah, edit. Yeah. I get, I get... I get... a little round of applause. <laughs> I get a gold certificate of uh, of yeah. attendance. You know, congratulations for participating. Well done. Do you need to print that and sign it yourself as the as the boss? Yes. <laughs> All right. Therefore, giving myself permission to be amazing. <laughs> anyway, uh, should we launch straight into spoilers and get get right onto it, rather than unless there's some spoiler-free stuff? There was no homework assigned last week, so thank God. <laughs> Let's charge ahead. Let's charge ahead. Head into dreamland. Okay, episode eight, chapter eight, it's as it's called. Initial thoughts on it as an episode in itself and as a finale, because it is a finale, of course. Uh, Aaron, do what goes first. I will say that I wasn't unhappy, but there's a lot of things about this episode that I wasn't thinking it was going to be. And there is a couple of things in it that bothered me, actually. So I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hate it, but I also did not love this ending. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I didn't know what to expect, but I certainly didn't expect this. It was, it was slightly bizarre in some ways, and in other ways, it was a bit. Um, I don't know. It, it was a bit unsatisfying in some ways as well. I think I knew what they were trying to do with it, and oh, that sounds so insulting. I think I knew what they were, what they were doing, but the the downplay of the pace to make it about a negotiation between two forces somehow didn't hit hard enough to take the place of the action ending that they didn't want and I think I'm okay that there wasn't an action ending because with David's power level that would have just been insane it it would have just become beams of light fighting as I know you hate but 
because there still w- really wasn't any high tension in the negotiations. I mean, I know there was that threat that the enemy was going to attack at some point, but nobody inside Summerland ever responded to that possibility. It was just this, David wants to make peace, and that was actually a good idea for a plot, but no tension in that. You know, it didn't ever feel like you had to do it right now. And that yeah. that just felt a bit weird, I think, throughout the whole episode. Chris, what about you? What did you think of it as a finale and as a final, or as in just an episode? I think I'm kind of along the same opinion as you guys. I think it was it was a good finale. It wasn't the one I was expecting, though I've got to be honest, because of the previous episodes and the way they've sort of surprised us, uh, I, I sort of expected in a way for them not to like a full-blown action finish. But the one that we got did surprise me slightly. Yeah, I mean, there was the element of action. You had the, um, well, it, it lasts about two seconds when he snaps his fingers and there's a pile of dead bodies, you know, like a second later. Yeah, well, wasn't really. If they were dead. I, I, think, I think they were just all stacked in a corner. <laughs> there they were. They, yeah, they were all moaning and groaning and so on because they couldn't get out. And they but yeah, they were, I, thought, I think that was, that, I actually liked that bit. To, because they kept to David's power level and he had decided we're going to negotiate peace now and you have no choice and then the interrogator guy just goes ah bugger because he, he knows that he's come too late you know he's missed that opportunity to get David before his power level goes up and to me that was a lovely uh, use of David's power level as it actually is yeah I mean on the subject of the interrogator uh, who's now called Clark that we know um, was he? Right. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, although I thought uh, I thought Oliver was called Eugene a few weeks ago, so who knows what I know. But um, it's interesting that he's been gone for like seven episodes or six episodes, and suddenly reappears. And it's like, yeah, I wasn't dead in the first place. You know, I've, I'm actually just brutally burned across all my body. But how many of the audience will have just forgotten about him since the first one? I don't think I was too worried about them forgetting him, but I I do remember looking at him and going, again, I see what you're doing here. You're putting a human angle on one of the bad guys and trying to make them presumably seem a bit more of a quality that we won't just hate. But the choice of character was so strange because I was expecting that from the eye, from Walter, that we needed to see that he wasn't just a monster. But then this random guy that I recognise from the episode one turns up and we see all about his life. I, I was struck by the simple thought of, who cares about this guy? I have no interest in seeing that he's a human being at all. He's a government lackey. Yeah. You know, we haven't been given any reason to, to hate him so much, like you did with Walter. You know, you really wanted Walter to get it in the end because he was horrific, but... The interrogator was just that to me. He was the interrogator. Or even be invested in him coming back, right? You know, he's just this one... He's this one-shot sh- one character, as far as we know, and he's kind of gone and has fulfilled his purpose, and suddenly he's back, and it's like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember this guy, but not sure. That was, like, weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you kind of think, oh, well, we're done with him. He, he was just in for part one. <laughs> yeah, he was. He, he played hard, and he lost. And that's yeah. the that's the end all of it. The fact that he he lost and there was consequences and it was emotional. It's like no, he lost. I don't care. Moving on. Yeah, and it's you get a good six minutes or something like that of time at the start, giving you 
insight into his recovery and, and trying to do a quick info dump on his characterization as well. And that's so weird. it's so heavily labelled as well about how he's he's got all these good characteristics. I mean they they really could not have slammed any more. No, this guy's a really lovely human being, honest, he's just misunderstood. They couldn't have done it even more. He was in a he was in a a, a, a gay relationship and not only they adopted a child, but they'd adopted a black child. It was just like, where can we just get in as many minorities that we can to make this guy seem like he's a saint? Yeah. And it's just, you just can't. I don't think you can do that to your audience and have them immediately just toe the line like that. To me, it's it felt so brutal. It was it was almost rude. It was like, I know I don't want to see this guy as a saint. You can't just tell me he's amazing. By with a, with a few little cheaty shots like that, I need to, I need more proof than that. Somehow, it's too, yeah, too too brutal. Hmm. I'm wondering if some of it is set up for season two, as in this character is going to be important next season. So we'll give you a quick catch up on who he is right now and bring him into this last episode. You know, as kind of an establishing arc, I suppose. Part of me oh. thought that they were going to do all this introduction to him again just to have David kill him as soon as he got back. <laughs> that would have been too hilarious, I think. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, they're going to spend this six minutes going, and he's such a lovely guy, he's in this relationship, he's finally got back on his feet, you know, for David to throw him and impale him on a tree. You know, <laughs> that's kind of what I thought was going to end up happening. Yeah. He would have fit with the style of the show as well. It would have been just weird. But, uh... Yeah, it was quite jarring. I felt like I was watching something, a completely different show for the first few minutes. I was like, what am I watching? You know, and then eventually it got back to the resolve the cliffhanger from the previous episode. You know, you got back into the, the clearing and everyone was there and guns were surrounding people. And he got told that he had a nice headband or whatever it was. I can't remember <laughs> the exact line. Um, and then David just decides, right, enough of this crap. And then snaps his fingers and everyone stacks up. Which was nice, you know. It was a nice little. It's, it's quite. It almost makes fun of a, a, a the cliffhanger ending, you know, that's resolved so easily. But it was good to because I remember last week saying that uh, I did want it just to skip on to, to David being captured and then them having to come out of some falsely created um, tension hook. Yeah. I, I did actually like the fact that even though they did a little segue, which is a which is a perfectly reasonable thing to do, it did then bring you back to the point of of question, and and then it's resolved. So I I definitely appreciated that scene when it got to that point. The build up, I think, was the weird yeah. bit. Yeah, and the bulk of the episode was still about David getting rid of the his his uh, parasitic symbiotic thing inside his head so you know that that was the central conflict of the season and it's all about resolving that strangely though did you not find it odd that given that it was the central conflict it wasn't david's choice at the final point it was sid's choice and i didn't even think there was going to be a choice for a while i thought it was just going to be crank up the volume and send the engineer into the Jeffrey's tubes to f- play with the dials and get the positrons going. And it was just going to be this willy, won't he survive the equipment? But then they did actually give you a character choice. But it, but it wasn't David's choice. It was Sid's choice. Would she or would she not let the machine go to its ultimate end point? 
and I know they're sort of bound together and it's sort of become their story and not just David's story. But I think I was surprised that David had no choice at all in that end scene, given it's been all about him learning about his sickness and his and his powers throughout the previous seven episodes. Yeah. Well, th- I mean, that kind of worked for me because I, I think they've been set and set up as this this force that almost the, the Shadow King didn't account for. So she's able to do things that are unanticipated and, and help David out in some ways. But I also think it ties into the way David has been viewed by other characters all season. He's always been identified as something by someone else without figuring out his own identity. So you've got the whole... I think in this episode they mentioned the whole world breaker thing, which is referenced to his power level. Um, words like monster and psycho and so on have been thrown around. So everyone has an opinion of him, but David doesn't have one of himself. And Sid is just kind of wants him to be himself in some way. And I think it sort of ties into that. She's almost rescuing him from that kind of definition. Well, I think you're right there, and I, I, I'd agree with all of that, but I still think it brings me back around to the point where I'm surprised that he, in the end, didn't decide what he was. He didn't make that choice of how to view himself. Still, in the end, it came down to somebody else's opinion, somebody else's thoughts on what he should be doing. And she's, she had this pro-David thought of what that should be, but it was still a third party deciding what what David should be doing. Yeah, she's kind of enabled him, though, to to go down a path of making up his own mind. No, Would you, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. I think, I say, I won't challenge it as a bad thing. I think it just, for some reason, it's it, it did just stand out, though, because it, in the end, I don't know that he chose to do anything. He just kind of turned up. Yeah. I, would, I would have rather that he had cast, you know, uh, Lenny or, you know, Farouk out himself rather than it being an external factor because the sort of the final build up you, you kind of think it's it's going to be him putting her back in her box as much as he did it um you sort of expected him to be the final one to give the push as much as he does get the little battle in the corridor he doesn't really finish it off and i thought the visualization of lenny was great in this episode as well the the way she was kind of decaying and uh you know, the the makeup was pretty severe, I thought. Yeah, she's sort of rotting and the, yeah. the feet are sort of sinking into the floor, yeah. Yeah, and Aubrey Plaza did a really good job again of playing yet another different version of that character. You know, we've seen her <laughs> do everything in eight episodes, it's amazing. I foresee no, an I think, Emmy in her future. I think she's definitely been one of the best bits about this series, actually. I think the way that she's managed to play all those different characters, especially at the beginning, Mm. where you sort of weren't sure what she was, I think she did a brilliant job of that. And then between going between that and the sort of psychiatrist that we've had in previous episodes, the and even at the you know the final bit in the car and this, it seems like it's going to be a completely different character. What did you think of the whole phantom limb uh, analogy? You know, the idea that. uh, that David can't imagine his life without Lenny because she's been there since the beginning. And the idea that, you know, you people who have a leg cut off or something, they reach for it years later and it's not there, but they still think it is. And and there might be a, you know, there might be a mental version of that for David in years to come. Like the idea that even though he's he's gained his own freedom, he's lost something at the same time. 
At the moment, it's only proposed, isn't it? Because they've not really done anything other than David stood there and said to Lenny, do you think this is going to be true? And at that point, he's had the power to actually hold Lenny in place to the extent that she can only just respond and focuses on her attack coming up. But afterwards, we don't see him missing her yet. So I think it's probably more of a setup for next season, if anything. Well, she yeah. has been giving him advice as he goes along, yeah. sort of voicing an opinion on the other characters or what you should do next, and then getting him out of trouble a couple of times as well. So, you know, you've got the potential without that extra voice there, as much as it was a sort of malevolent voice that was, you know, getting up to no good, it was another opinion that he was casting all the time. Yeah, and it was it was good to pose the question without answering it because to answer it is it's a very complex issue, and you've probably got a season's worth of development where David expects you know expects certain things to come to him or certain instincts to come naturally and they don't. So all next season it could be this kind of him trying to figure out what it's like to be in his inside his own head. Um, I just actually looked at my notes and I've put something down here though that might feed into that and I didn't realise before. One thing I've noticed when they were having the standoff at the end, Mm -hmm. David, the the look on his face was the same look that Lenny had. The last time they did that, when they made uh, David look like Lenny, was to indicate that it was Lenny that was in charge. And then... In this case, we know that Lenny's actually come out because she's inside Kerry. So David is actually David, but his choice on how he's going to fight was to fight Lenny style. So I thought that was quite interesting, but now I'm looking back at it, maybe it's actually giving you what you're talking about. When he was actually put in a threatening situation, the only thing he knows how to do is what Lenny's taught him to do. So maybe he is going to have this potential streak of danger inside him because of his go-to responses being controlled. Yeah, and it has to do with the fact that, uh, like I was saying earlier about the whole, everyone else has an opinion about David except David. So it'll be him trying to find that, and that'll be quite an interesting arc, I think. But, yeah, still very much, I think, in season two, I don't think, promised maybe here, but not really highly used yet. But it'd be good if they kept with that. I think that could really work because he, he could have a whole season two of struggling to actually identify with himself or, or anything. Yeah, well, I think I mentioned it may have been last week the whole fact that his conscience might get in the way of him using his powers to his full potential. And obviously, with Lenny in his brain, that was that wasn't an issue. She would just take control and then use his abilities and and commit all kinds of heinous acts on people. But mm. David won't, even though he. Like as you said, he's been taught to do that. He might not want to do that, but he's one of the good thi- able to defend himself. If you know what I mean. Well, one of the good things that they did with this episode that I actually really liked, even though I'm I'm not sure about how it was delivered, was his immediate stance of we're negotiating peace now, and I've got the power to force it on you, and that that conflict is. It's extremely interesting from an ideological perspective because it is the same question that you would ask if if the UN had infinite power 
it could actually go into wars around the world. It could go into Syria at the moment and just say to people, you're not fighting anymore. You're going to sit at that table and you're going to talk about it because I've got the power to physically hold your bodies in place. <laughs> so David would have the same problem at the moment. He's actually been able to just talk to Melanie and the interrogator, whose name I've immediately forgotten, so he'll stay the interrogator and say, let's discuss this. And they did because of the internal decisions they'd already made. You know, one of them knew there was this threat value on the horizon from his allies outside Summerland, and, and the other one felt like she was forced into it by her connection to David. But at some point, that relationship in season two could be strained. And the two sides could just very much get up from the negotiating table and walk away. So would he just use his powers to force them bodily back to the table and say, nope, not done here? <laughs> yeah, it could do. Uh, it's you almost like the nuclear deterrent argument, isn't it? You know, you've got, yeah. you've got this nuke, so you might as well talk, you know, to stop someone setting off that nuke. But he's the only nuke at the moment, yeah. which is which is what makes it interesting because he's... It, <laughs> It's different to that circumstance, so it's not just let's let's make the Cold War a metaphor. It is actually a, a slightly different thing that I, I'm not convinced I've seen before, and, and and would enjoy for that alone. Yeah, I also found the whole um, mutant versus human argument quite interesting because it it boiled it down to kids on a schoolyard, which I thought was quite an interesting idea. You know, you've got the whole adults can maybe learn to get along and. You know, adult mutants could show restraint around humans and not use their powers excessively, but kids might not. You know, and if you've got young mutants playing with young human children, accidents would happen. And it's interesting how the uh, Clark, aka the interrogator, brings it back to that because that's one of those. Uh, there's not an easy answer to that. I didn't realize they'd gone for the kids' argument there. Actually, I remember him saying, "You're." You're essentially gods. What happens when you realise that? I thought that was yeah, that keeping it quite adult. Up was that was the did you know mention at, at the about, moment we're getting along? Yeah, did they not mention something about a playground fight or something like that? I'm sure. I don't remember. I mean, I'd believe you, but I don't know now without remembering well enough whether it was true or metaphor. Yeah. Um. Because it, it, it did seem to be purely in fear, where yeah. they were saying, we the humans only currently are surviving because you guys haven't fully realised who you are yet, and we know where you're going, and we want to stop it now. It was, I didn't, I didn't dislike it, but I didn't think they were trying to do anything with it that we hadn't seen in, in some of the films. It's the, it's the Xavier Magneto argument again, isn't it, really? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Except it's almost from the other side, where uh, Melanie's saying, we're not dangerous, and uh, Clark is saying, well, I think you're dangerous. You know, so it's almost like Magneto would always come on the side of, yeah, we are dangerous, and you should be afraid of us, and that's why you should leave us alone. Um, whereas that's kind of try to promote the non-fear versus the fear kind of thing. So um, it's flipped on its head slightly. Well, Magneto's normally, you know, we, we are superior, and yeah. I know it. Uh, where Melanie's more, oh, we're not dangerous, we're all under control, and there's not many of us, and we're in the background kind yeah. of thing. and Clark says, um, but you're superior, and you know it. You know that. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, I, I don't know, it's it's sort of playing, or but I, I didn't pick up the, the bit that you did about the schoolyard, but it is playing along the same lines that we've seen in the films. Now where, I'm worried about making that up. Where, <laughs> where it's, you know... The, 
you know, you're going to be too powerful, you're going to outnumber us, we feel like we're going to go extinct, therefore we're going to wipe you out first while there's still not many of you. Yeah. I think the angle that they've got that I thought was new was the idea of we need to work together against the Shadow King. Yeah. Because that was teased a couple of times and then eventually you think Sid is actually going to say it, but they... They do just dance around it, but it it could end up being something we haven't seen before, where the humans and the mutants work together against other mutants, yeah, and it, then potentially they work together against other humans too. Um, that that could be a nice thing to bring up in season two that I don't think we've seen before. Yeah, yeah, that's like I kind think of, it would be good. What happens when you defeat that as well? What happens to that alliance at that point? I think that would bring it back to the norm. And we've just interrupted Chris twice. <laughs> I did go Chris, Chris. Chris now. All right. <laughs> I, I have said my piece as well. <laughs> Say it again. It was clearly good enough to be said again. No, he's not going to. <laughs> no, I'm fine. <laughs> Edit. <laughs> um, what about when the the resolution, you know, the, obviously Lenny's gone, the Shadow King is no longer inside David. And is now inside Oliver. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense, given the similarity of their powers. And I really like the way he nonchalantly walks off, you know, singing I've got the world on a string. I I liked that for what it is Is and what it promises. But I didn't really like how it was done. No, it felt like a bit of an anti-climax. But yeah, it's the kind of a... Jermaine Clement, he was, you know, entertaining enough as always. And I just like the kind of casual walk off and then he drives away. And then it's not until minutes later where people are like, where's Oliver? Yes. <laughs> um, but it, the, the, the lead up to that, there, as you say, he's great. And it, there's, there's this possibility that everything he does is going to be great because I've not seen him miss a beat yet. He's got the jokes, he's got the attitude. And the only time I've had trouble with him before I thought was what was given him as writing rather than what he delivered. But mm-hmm. again, it comes to a couple of points in how it was done. First of all, he's just thrown inside the engine room and he's just playing around with boxes. Yeah. And I thought, what, why? What, what the hell is this adding? He could have just been in the, in the room with the MRI machine. He could have been standing with Carrie. He could be anything. Why is he just blatantly by himself for no apparent reason, and they're not really getting much out of him there. Yeah. And then that bit at the the very climactic moment, where he almost turns to camera and goes, "Ah, oh, Melanie, I've just remembered who you are." And he might as well have just gotten out a white picket fence and started painting it in front of us because it just, again, so blatant. Something really, really nice has just happened to this character in a dangerous spot. He is screwed. He has just painted a big X across his own forehead and it's over. Uh, it, it just felt like the development between Melanie and and Oliver was just rammed together at the end with some scenes with Melanie trying to get him to remember and then he he just tragically does at the wrong moment only if he'd done it a few moments earlier they could have had some time together and oh but now it's been taken away from them crudely a melodrama greek melodrama and i think they've they've done a lot better 
than that before to then just put in this really crude timing at the end. So I agree. He was great. And where they are now, absolutely happy with that. But how we got to it, red shirt and cross on the head. Yeah, not, not good. I did like the, the scene where Melanie was trying to get him to remember. This is earlier in the episode and he's just like, no, nah, never seen you before in my life. No idea who you are. There's kind of, that's quite tragic, mostly because of Melanie's reaction. But I think it, it needed to be more along those lines and keep with that. Maybe, I don't know if they could have had time with him last episode or this episode and made more of it because it, it should have been tragic. If you analyze, if you read on paper a description of what had occurred, it would read back as tragic. But as it was presented, I didn't ever feel sorry for him or her because it was done so heavy-handedly. I think it's one of those things where there's no time for this development. We're in the end scene, and the main characters are on the negotiation table, and we need something for Oliver to do in in the big exploding science scene, so we send him off. That. Yeah. It was it. It was just. I think it was missed somehow. It was. It was. It, I think it was too late to try and develop it to get any any real feeling. Is it possible that Lenny was influencing him at the point where he remembers Melanie to make his disappearance seem all the more kind of cruel? But she's inside Carrie at that point still, yeah. so it it couldn't, it couldn't be that because he'd not gotten out. I mean, you do see the the moment where she inhabits him. You know that black. Um, oozy stuff that, that kind of heads towards him when you get the point of view shot but that's that's after he's remembered yeah. Melanie it's not I'm wondering, I'm wondering if she could have had some kind of external influence somehow I mean it wouldn't be out of the realms of possibility I it's I think he was naturally remembering at that time yeah. you know he, he was finally beginning to piece things back together again I mean, it did seem a bit weird and random to have him off tampering with the weirds, the world's weirdest-looking nuclear generator or whatever the hell he was playing with in that <laughs> in that sort of tunnel. Um, but yeah, it, it was kind of a bit signposty too much that there was going to be a problem here, and it was the obvious choice for for her to end up with him. Yeah, you know, the the, the person with sort of equal power or at least close power to what David's got. Yeah, and it does tie back to what they were talking about in previous weeks about, um, or what we were talking about in previous weeks, like the the theory that I think you had, Chris, where it was, um, you know, will Lenny, um, will Lenny just decide to take control of the situation and bugger off to a sunny, a sunny place, um, and that's essentially what she does here. I mean, she doesn't quite take over, but you know, she takes Oliver somewhere warm. Yeah, but they, they, there's the hint that they're looking for something. Yeah, you know, he says, uh, "Where should we look for it?" And she says, "Somewhere warm." Or where should we start looking? I think is what he says. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so you, you're not too sure. I mean, I, I hope with season two that they don't open right away with them finding Oliver or, you know, uh, facing that again. I would like to see something a little bit different because we've done the, the sort of. Uh, <laughs> The uh, we've done all the realm episodes and the sort of fighting within the head thing. I would like to see something a little bit different come the second season. Uh, part of me would like to just have, well, Oliver and Lenny nowhere near season two. 
You know, they could spend yeah. the entire eight episodes playing around with something else and bring them back in season three. You know, there's no there's no rule that says that you have to have everything you set up at the end of season one dealt with and resolved in season two. Yeah, I would I would kind of like, you know, maybe hint that they're still looking for them and there's no trace or something, but then yeah. for you not to see them. Yeah, or they turn up in the last couple of episodes or something like that to set up season three rather than just um, going right in with it because it would be interesting to explore something else that's not that isn't the kind of internal head game Shadow King stuff because we've had that for an entire season so it'd been you know we we criticised the the other comic book shows for repeating themselves year on year so it'd be nice to see them not repeat themselves year on year I think if they if they have if they have a, a, a main villain next year I don't know I think we could see you know what you were talking about Ian with seeing them team up for at least a while with Division Three because that's what they seem to be hinting at. Uh, you know that you know we should work together. Maybe you will see them work together, but then there'll be a conflict of interest at some point. One side's going to want to lock people up or kill or exterminate. The other side's going to want to try and talk and discuss, and they're just going to be at loggerheads. Yeah, it'd be interesting if they spend an entire season just not finding Lenny and watch the Alliance tear apart piece by piece as 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 they go on. Mm. There's lots of scope for it going either way. I don't know. Um, I don't know what their plans for season two is. I know that I read an interview with the producer and he said that season one was about an internal threat, whereas season two would be more about an external threat. Uh, but there's no, there's nothing saying they won't do both. And we have that post-credit scene that that throws something else into the mix. Ugh, yeah, not sure about that at all yet. Depends where it goes. Yeah, but David gets sucked into a drone sent by someone for some reason. Well, exactly. Because if this person had that power, why weren't they using it before? You know, to get involved. And if they were looking for David earlier, they could have zapped him away. And if they were trying to protect people, they could have zapped the other people away. It's a problem with weird science. It, it's magic. As soon as you introduce something magical, you think, why wasn't this magic used earlier for whatever purpose? And it could be because they didn't know about what was going on yet. Part of me thinks it was Xavier's turned up and said, yep, I want my kid back. I realize, I didn't realize he was in such danger because I'm a rubbish parent. <laughs> um, but now I want him back because none of you people can protect him. So it could go well, but equally, if it turns out that this... Pokeball, as Chris was calling it before we started, was was used by somebody who knew what was going on. Then I, di- I need to know why they weren't using this power before. Yeah, I kind of thought it might be Xavier as well because the timing is quite interesting. You know, Xavier doesn't want to have to deal with the Shadow King because it's so powerful, and now that it's gone, he might know that somehow, and he sent this drone because maybe his planes and the at the garage getting fixed, you know, so he can't fly there. And... If that is him, though, that just makes him a dick. Because it just means, I'm not going to save my son while the Shadow King's about, but now the Shadow King's gone, yeah, I'll have my son back. <laughs> just, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. And you don't even send the butler to go and pick him up. No, you just <laughs> you send a drone. <laughs> everyone, everyone was busy that day. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it might not be Xavier. Something tells me it's going to be something to do with this mysteriously mentioned equinox whatever that is yeah i don't know. i i honestly thought there was just it was just a big helicopter sitting waiting in the wings and 
because they said move it one click closer and then hold, but I admit that that thing could equally have been Equinox. But then if it was, then they should have just sent it in at the start. Who cares about this negotiation in this chair? They didn't need anything else. So yeah. I don't think it can be Division 3s because it would make no sense for them not to have just immediately used it. Yeah, the context I took Equinox to be is it something that Division 3 was afraid of or was at least wary of. I mean, I might so that wasn't that wasn't the threat then that they were themselves controlling, which I thought was just going to carpet bomb the area if they lost control. Yeah. Was it that was something else? You mean? I think so. I could be entirely wrong, but who knows? It's because one of those I weird had the impression. I was like, yeah, I kind of thought it was either an attack helicopter, sort of going in to rescue or just destroy everything. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, if they did have that power, they could have used it ages ago. Yeah. Episodes ago, in fact. <laughs> well, they they kind of knew where um, Summer Hall was, didn't they? So, yeah. I got the impression they just worked out where it was. They literally just found it. Because otherwise, why were they holding back? Yeah, in which case, don't send the, the guys with guns in. Just carpet bomb it immediately before anybody knows what's happening. But you want to get David out alive so you yeah. can use him because you think he's not reached his power yet. If he's reached his power yet, you can still take him and control him. But they sent the guy in, and then they realised they'd got his power. At that point, then you might have just carpet bombed. But while you still think you can gain something, you 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 try and go in and and get whatever it is you want. Yeah. So I could see why they hadn't just immediately just flamed the area. But if they had the device, then yeah, they don't need guns and. They they just always always just send the device to just capture whoever they want. Yeah. So it must be somebody who previously wasn't prepared to get involved, or who didn't know enough to get involved and has has just worked out what's going on now. Yeah, it could be could be anything really. Um, there's a lot to play for in season two and probably beyond. I mean, I don't know how long they're planning to run this show for, but um, there's certainly a wealth of material there. Well, it's another good mystery, isn't it? You don't want all the answers at the end to be completely given. So now we've got this, what is Equinox? What is this it that Lenny keeps referring to? Because I'm sure last episode she she said, where has he hidden it? And it must be the same thing, even though they've not spoken about it yet. So they've got some more mysteries to keep us going, which I welcome. Yeah. Yeah, I like that stuff. Um I mean, we still don't know what bloody year the damn thing's set, so, you know, there's all sorts of stuff. It's sort of an alternative 70s, isn't it? Or yeah. alternative 60s. It's, it's got to be, because but the technology level is, is is what sort of makes you question what year it is, because yeah. we've, we've got this in-eye monitor, this fake <laughs> robot eye, yeah. that they're able to watch back at Division 3 in, in that room full of what appears to be sort of generals and odd people in the background that are all watching, but they're watching on a really rubbishy telly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty in, sure in the, the same word... world, the sky screen is, you know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure email was mentioned last week as well. I won't challenge it, but I don't remember it. it was some, I'm sure it was something David's sister said about sending an email. 
I mean, yeah, it yeah. does seem to be a weird sort of time frame. I mean, all the the sort of Art Deco designs and stylings of everything, and then the technology, you know, from the sort of the very first episode had that sort of strange iPad in it, and all yeah. the other different things that we've seen now. The the sort of small Pokeball drone that's, <laughs> that's flying about that someone has, you know, you very strange. Yeah, well, I think you coined it earlier in this whole set. Craig, when you said steampunk, because I know it's not steampunk, but it has the same idea mm. in that you take an era that you want to use for its culture and societal setup. In this case, you've got 70s, 80s, and then you just bring forward in time all the technology you want in order to give you the foreground that you want to play with. So they've actually, based on that description, coined their own setting and we could actually create a name for it that says it's that genre where you have 70s culture but with 90s and 2000s technology give it a name now (laughs) yeah um, missed it no you can't do it (laughs) but it Uh, you know it, it, it you could if you you could almost call it punk again you could just take that word and you could have you know 90s punk you know electro punk you could just whack something together like that and that's what it is it is not set in anything we have seen before it is defined its own uh, genre Hmm. yeah and as i've said before it's a bit like in the comics where they would just randomly have technology that doesn't exist you know it's um but it's kind of still set in a modern day i mean this is clearly not set in the modern day but um, you had comics through the ages where they had like sentient robots and things like that, you know, in, in the seventies or the sixties or even earlier than that. So uh, it's these kind of yeah, it's science fiction basically. It doesn't I mean it doesn't really have to um, conform to anything. You know, they they've, they've built a world and they live in that world, and it's mostly consistent. So that's fine. As far as well, in that case, I'm going to start referring to it as um, electro funk. That's a new genre, I think. <laughs> oh. Well, it's as good as any. Let's yep. see if we can let's see if we can spread that around the internet. We'll get it trending on Twitter. We'll uh, okay. get a wiki page going. Yeah, I don't know how we can do that in with just the three of us, but you know, um, and I'm not sure I've got the energy. Yep. Um, I guess we should get, I mean, music choices has always been important for this show. Um, I've already mentioned the, the song that Little Ditty that Oliver sings as he nonchalantly wanders off, but there was a lot of Pink Floyd in this episode. It's always a go-to place, is Pink Floyd. Everybody uses that when they want to It's like psychedelic stuff, yeah. It is, yeah. It's like a freebie to use for Pink Floyd. <laughs> it was not a bad choice at all. It was fitting for the scene, but... I was really disappointed that there wasn't a big dance battle between Lenny and and David at the end, I think. They went into Kung Fu stance when it was David versus um, Kerry in the hallway. And they almost went anime when when David comes flying in with his blue lightning and Kerry comes flying in from the opposite side with her flaming shadows. And then it just ended, though. And I thought, given that they spent a lot of effort in episode seven, giving us silent film where everybody went, is this happening? 
And that was a really good feeling to be part of that because we all got something out of it. Yeah. I'm not saying it was a it was it was a bad choice, but I think I just built my hopes up so high for them to just have this dance off at the end that it was never really going to be gratified. It did yeah. seem missing, considering that we've kind of had a little bit like that per episode, and in this one, it was like they just, they didn't do it, but they had time for the six minute at the beginning. Yeah, yes. it, when, it did. It did seem like it, they could have fitted it in somewhere. And when Oliver wandered off and started singing, I thought that was going to lead into some big musical number. But then he sings a couple of lines, then he leaves. And I have to yeah. correct myself: it's if I ruled the world, not I've got the world on a string. Which yeah. is similar, but um, and I really liked the whole children of the revolution usage, the T Rex song. That was cool. Yeah, I can't fault the character choices. That sorry, the song choices for creating the right atmosphere of what was going on, and it, it somehow, I think, putting something bigger into the foreground was just what I was expecting. That's all. Rather than rather than keeping the music to be atmospheric pieces. Yeah, I'm hoping the music will be a big part of season two. Well, I think they've they've set set their um, you know they've set their style already. What what are we calling it again? Electro funk. Yeah, <laughs> they've set their electro funk style already. So you know they they can't really change from that. I'm going to have to look this up because I think this term's already in use for a style probably, of music think, as well. I think it's a genre. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't really use it. I want the word funk in there though to get the seventies feel, but I'm not sure what else to. Electro-funk. Oh, no, it's already a music style. Yeah, I can't uh, have that. Mutant funk? Mutant, <laughs> yeah, some, something like that. Yeah, we need to we need to put more thought into this. I'll have yeah, it for season two. On a postcard, please. Yes. <laughs> if anyone has any ideas, drop us a line. If not, we have... Well, we don't know how long we've got to think about it. Presumably about a year. You'd like to think they're going to give it time to write. Unless they've got sort of a good chunk of it already scribbled somewhere but the thing is um, this entire season was completed before season 2 was confirmed so it looks like they were planning to carry on regardless you know as in you know this episode was going to exist in in this form whether they got renewed or not so it's just like yeah there'll be no no Legion season 2 but it's like oh well everything's nothing's resolved great you know be one of those fan fiction fodder things for the future if it didn't get renewed. Yeah, unless they recorded an alternate ending. That's also possible, yeah. Which I have heard that, you know, shows have done before where they've recorded at least a couple of extra scenes for their sort of final two episodes so that they can give it an alternate finish. Yeah. But I think, you know, they'd they set out pretty bold from the beginning, so I imagine that they just went and went, if we don't get a second one, then people will make up their own minds of what happened. Yeah, and this it could have always been a middle finger to the to the people not watching as well. If it didn't get renewed, it's like, well, you didn't watch it, so clearly you didn't want to know what happens next, so now you're never going to know. I don't know. Um, it's, it is what it is. We've got... Uh, we've got season two happening, and this sets up season two, um, which is fine. And I think for season two, I would hope for yeah, I'd hope for something a bit different. You know, we've had the internalized struggle, and it's defined this entire season. So I'd quite like to see something something else go on. You know, maybe a more external threat or the alliance between 
Division 3 and whatever the hell you want to call this team uh, are, you know, we, we can see the, the mechanics of that, how it falls apart, how it works, how it doesn't work. I think that could give us eight episodes, no problem. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how this alliance plays out, if it even gets started. You know, considering if 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 David is now captured again <laughs> uh, by someone else, then it was him that was really forcing everyone round the table into the alliance. If you've not got that threat anymore, are you still going to get that alliance? Yeah, I loved his deadpan delivery of "War is over if you want it." Just <laughs> that was that was really funny. I was like, wait a minute, that sounds like oh, it is that song, and, and I was expecting them to do a rendition of it at some point, but they didn't. Well, it's just like the Alice in Wonderland connections. I wanted more from Snicker Snack and so on, but they didn't. They didn't really want to bring that in. Yeah. It was more little Easter eggs to get across again more of their atmosphere, which which is fine. I think it worked really well. But that's yeah, that was its use. Yeah, yeah. The, there were some things that weren't developed as well as they wanted it to, but or as well as it could have been. But I think on the whole, everything. I think well, I, I'm not going to say this season was cohesive because it certainly wasn't. I still feel like I don't know what's going on, but I did like it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was different. It's it's nice that in in an age of superhero films and TV shows, you can get something as different as this and have it work as well as it does. Yeah, it was most welcome just to have something that was feel like it was a lost style coming back where it was. This is a mystery. This is a show that we want you to be talking about and coming up with your own fan theories for, which I know you can come up with, with things like Flash and Arrow, the fan theory about who is that character going to be. But in my mind, that's very dull by comparison and a simple open question like that. Whereas this was, you need a fan theory for everything. You need a fan theory that explains all these weird visions, hallucinations and unexplained mysteries. Much more interesting. Yeah, especially when those other shows do it every season, pretty much. It gets a bit you know, dull. And I'm not saying that, you know, this is the template that superhero shows should follow from now on. I just think there's there's room for everything. Um, Yes. And different styles are are welcomed. I mean we have a lot of the kind of similar villain of the week formula and, and it's nice that we have something that shows the um Shows the potential of comic book characters and comic book themes to just resonate in different ways, because there is it is a rich and varied uh, type of storytelling, and you can do almost anything with it, and this proves it. True. Yeah, Chris, what were your thoughts on season one uh, in terms of structure and everything else? Um, still confused? Do you enjoy being confused? Everything else? I enjoy being confused. I've enjoyed being proved wrong. I've enjoyed sort of coming up with different theories and listening to your you know, your own and sort of adding to it because you sort of sit there and go, I wonder if this is going to pay off the way I, you know, the way I think it is. Oh no, it's something completely different. And I've sort of enjoyed the surprise where, you know, a lot of shows are very predictable or once you get a few episodes in, you know, you sort of can tell where everything's going. Where with this, I wouldn't have predicted the outcomes at the end. Um, you know, it's it's, and I've enjoyed it for that. Yeah. And I look forward to season two. Um, I look forward to more more attempts to kind of do something different with comic book shows. 
I mean, there's I know there's another X Men TV show in development. I don't know what format it's going to take. I suspect it'll be a little more traditional, but maybe it won't. Um, there, and there's all sorts of other there's all sorts of other characters you can play with and do different weird things with. So, and I think the X Men universe is a great way to do that as well because there's just so many characters. So yeah, seeing more of it, I'm interested in. True. I think on that note, I think we've probably covered things as well as we can unless everybody anybody has something like huge that they need to get off their chest about season one in, in general or just this episode I will I'll ask you do you think the whole childhood stories thing is over is there more to play out on that because I'm I remember spending a lot of time thinking about what it meant that he was being told this story about killing his own mother you know and you shouldn't get angry because that's what will happen is that all over and done with, do you reckon? Because it was just Lenny twisting a memory in his head to something horrible just to upset David. Or was it a metaphor for something we've not had it revealed yet? It could go either way, I think, because um, it's been established that Shadow King alters and perverts memories and not, you know, to protect itself, which is fine. That That kind of accounts for that. But there's also... David's relationship with his adopted parents to play with as well because we haven't really dealt with that yeah there's a lot of memory and past there that they can go into you know we've we've not you know obviously Xavier or anything in it yet you've not really heard much about what he got up to in his childhood apart from the fact that he would sort of run off after this dog that wasn't there so, hang around with yeah, Lenny, the, who also wasn't there, apparently. Yeah, and it could yeah. it could be that now that you know Lenny isn't there, holding back his memories or changing them, that he's going to start sort of getting a clearer picture of what his childhood was actually like and what he did. Well, it gives autonomy something to do next season, doesn't it? Mm. Let, let's go into your real memories and see what they look like. Instead of being angry and holding a gun. Yes. Yeah. What was that <laughs> about? <laughs> I disagree with you, and I have this gun. <laughs> Yeah, there's um, so while I think they could easily just draw a line under it and stop it, the, there's also scope there. I think either way, maybe it just depends what they want to do, or it's maybe something they could bring up two, three seasons down the line as well. You know, it's again, there's no rule that says everything has to be dealt with next season that they've established in these episodes. No, fair play. Yeah. Chris, did you have any burning final things that you needed to get out there that you've been waiting eight episodes No, I think that was it. The the sort of final bit that I'd underlined in pen was no final dance number. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we've got that off our chest, so I'm fine. Something that we're all very upset about. I wrote it in capital letters and underlined it, so, you know, that's how angry I was at the time. (laughs) I'll be registering my distaste with the producers when I never get to speak to them. (laughs) Yes, if there's an extended cut, I expect extended dance numbers to to make up for it. Yes, although they had the kind of um, yeah, the, the music did tie into his his uh, fight with Lenny, didn't it? You know, so it was it was almost a dance-ish thing, but not quite. It wasn't as overt as the previous ones have been, and they've been very enjoyable for that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's it. We started on a dance number, and we're ending on a dance number. Yeah. We're, ending, we're ending on talking about a dance number. Right. We're not actually dancing right now, which would be or are we? <laughs> well, you, people are only listening, so who knows? I think I would. I do want to say 
as well. I feel like I've been really down about this episode, episode eight, and I, I've, part of me doesn't want to end on that. I think there was a couple of things then that maybe I didn't think were amazing about this last episode, but I think I would still say that of all the shows I've been watching, as this has still been the best, and maybe the only reason I've been going for it in that last episode is is because I have really enjoyed this series so much. So I'd, I'd rather end on that positive note is all is all I wanted to say there than anything else. And I've settled on science funk. That's science what I'm going to call the, the sh- this genre now. Yeah, that's it. Heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag science funk. Hashtag science funk. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. And make sure you spell that right, or you'll get told off. <laughs> yeah, Twitter will be like, "What's going on?" Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put that in the uh, the hashtags for the episode, so that I'll do that. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it started here. We're, we're the beginners of a, a revolution in something. Um, I guess I'm going to end on a bit of a nostalgic note. You know, I think um, if you, anybody listens back to our first episode of, of this podcast, or our review podcasts, you know, this new feature, um, the, the predominant theme in the first episode is, what the hell did we just watch? Uh, and you know when editing them I thought we kind of sound like we're completely a bit clueless as to what this show is about and I think as the show has went on we've we've kind of got into the, the headspace of starting to understand it you know I think I think the discussions have gotten more more in depth and more out there as we've went on I don't know how you guys feel about that but I think it's a yeah I think more understanding has came as we went on I think we've kind of tuned into its rhythm slightly? I think I'd say that the writers of the show and possibly the director as well, I'm never really sure I can well split them, but the writers of the show certainly have led us through a mystery very well. They opened with a total mystery that had interesting things that we wanted to watch and questions that we wanted to get involved and discuss leading through the middle of the series where you started to get answers but there was still a pull on to the end and then at the end there was a resolution and that path the way through it has never let up in such a way that you thought, yeah, that episode wasn't very good. Every single episode was in the right place, all the way through to seven, where you got the final answers. And they were really well delivered, the the answers in in episode seven, to allow you to then have a an episode eight proper finish. So, So I think all the stuff you said there, I think, is because they've done a good job. Yeah. You sort of start to feel smarter as the show goes on, because you're starting to get it a bit more. And I think I think we've done well. I think we've had some good discussions, and I think we have a good a little a good little leading reviewing team, you know. And and we should come up with a team name because every essentially X Men offshoot team has its own team name. It needs to have an X in it as well. But that's a that's something we can think of for next season. <laughs> Yeah, uh, is, is that is that you giving us homework for the se- start of season two's podcasting? Oh man, I can't believe we've got homework already. <laughs> I'll do it at the last minute. Yeah. This is the worst <laughs> summer holiday ever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. It's it's like transitioning into 
well, this is going to be very, very Scottish, but you know, transitioning from uh, uh, hires, standard grace to hires, where they tell you to read a book over the summer. Yeah, so I think it's I think it's been great. Uh, it's been great to talk about the show. It's been um, it's been worth covering for sure. I'm glad that when entering into this thing, uh, I, I never got to the point where I was like, I can't be arsed talking about this this week. Can't believe I started this. So it's been good. I'm just being all being all nostalgic and complimentary. You know, it's the last day of school. I'm tearing up over here. <laughs> Well, before there's a flood of emotion, we should <laughs> wrap things up. So, I don't know. If anybody has any declarative statement, um, everyone should end on a declarative statement. So, mine is, I enjoyed this. Aaron? Live with the funk, man. Live with the funk. With the science funk. Science funk for life, dude. That was our discussion on Chapter 8. Thanks to 331E-Rock for the supplied music as always. If you liked what you heard here, then please do subscribe on iTunes, YouTube or any major podcasting app. We will hopefully be back next season for more Legion, but until then, we hope you'll join us in the next Neil Before Politics.